Hi, everyone, and welcome to Dance It Out, a Grey's Anatomy podcast. We are host Giuseppe Corallo. And Jasmine Petty. Thank you to everyone for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about this week's episode of Grey's Anatomy entitled Living in a House Divided. So if you haven't seen it yet, there are spoilers ahead. So Jasmine, welcome back. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Well, I'm pretty fine. I had a peaceful day. I was at the lake. Oh, I yeah. had a walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I, I took this day just to be, you know, all by myself, to reflect on, on things, to, to read, to listen to music. It was, it was a non-productive day in a way, but it was also really productive because I took time for, for myself. So it was a good day. And now we're going to be talking about Grey's Anatomy. So my day only gets better. What about you? I'm good. Um, it's the afternoon here. So um, I haven't done much today. Just kind of got up. Um, I put a load of laundry, um, ate breakfast. Yeah, I haven't been too productive today. Um, but I was at the movies yesterday. My friend Amy and I went to see the new movie Uncharted. Oh, yeah. Uh, the one with Tom Holland, right? Yeah. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. But a friend talked to me about it and he said it was a great movie, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's pretty good. I feel like video game movies or things based on video games are pretty hit or miss. Um, but this one was, yeah, this was actually pretty good. And I thought Tom Holland transitioned well from, you know, teenage Spider-Man to like a more adult grown up action role. Um, yeah. And we were wondering, you know, because that transition can be difficult for for actors. So we were wondering about that. But uh, yeah, it was good. And based on kind of the end credit scenes, it looks like there's going to be a sequel, which I'm looking forward to. And I had Mark Wahlberg in it, too. And I, like I like his more like his more serious or comedic roles, like his more like actual acting because he does a lot of stuff that's that kind of like slapsticky yeah yeah type comedy, comedy yeah yeah which i don't really enjoy but a role like this where like it's actual acting i do enjoy so yeah so we went to see that and uh it was good oh, that's great that's great yeah. anything else to add on your whereabouts on what you've been up to this past few days oh yeah so i can't release uh too many details yet um but i'm going to be uh, guest starring on another podcast Oh my God, I didn't know about that. That's amazing. Yeah, this, this just happened uh, recently. So um, I've been asked to come on a Stranger Things podcast and oh. talk about um, the upcoming season four. Oh, that's so, great. It's a fun podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's called Ham Radio and uh, details are still in the works, but I should be recording next month. And uh, details to come, and when it when it comes out, I will let everybody know. So, if you're a fan of yeah. Space Anatomy and Stranger Things, yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I, I, as you know, I don't watch Stranger Things, so I know nothing about this show. But if you are gonna be part of a podcast, I might start checking it out just to listen to the podcast in which you're gonna guest star. So, oh, that's thank good... you. Yeah, I'm I'm really uh -huh. excited about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Congrats, Jasmine. So, Jasmine. Let's go back to Grey's Anatomy. Mm -hmm. Do you want to do that 30 second recap? Yes. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to count you down, okay? Okay. Three, two, one, go. This week on Grey's Anatomy, Levi must face the morbidity and mortality conference over Devin Gomez's death. And with Grey's facing an increasing doctor shortage, Meredith asked Nick to scrub in on a surgery in Seattle. 
Meanwhile, after an awkward day working with Amelia and Karina on a case, Joe must face her feelings for Link, and we say goodbye to Dr. Cormac Hayes as Teddy attempts to uncover what Owen is keeping from her. Ta-da! Ta-da! So this is it. So can I say something? I know I have been kind of harsh the past few episodes, saying, complaining about the pace of the episodes, the things that did not go, that are not right for me. But I have to say that I thought that this episode was for sure a nice improvement, at least from the previous one. I mean, I didn't like everything, but I enjoyed most of it. And I am really digging this. The big, I really like the biggest storyline of this episode, which was the M&M conference, you know, about the patient that Levi lost and mm-hmm. how it affects not only the Weber method, but Richard Weber. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because... At the beginning of the episode, we see that Richard uh, Richard is rejecting all the accusations that are the people are doing towards him, against him. And it's like, no, I have nothing to do with it. This was just an act of hubris from Levi. And then by the end of the episode, Richard realizes what he, what he did wrong and that he played a part in Levi's mistake. And to see him so vulnerable after him being so stubborn for the entirety of the episode. I think it was refreshing. And I I really liked this soft side of Richard. Mm -hmm. And I really liked how he was comforted and and pushed to be better and and to accept his errors by his three daughters, Maggie and Amelia um, and Meredith. I really loved the scene between the three of them talking to Richard. I really loved Meredith saying to him that, you know, this interns these residents should just be happy to learn from him from from one of the best so i i thought it was a storyline that i I thought it was a very powerful storyline not only because of what's happening to levi which of course is devastating but also because of what's happening to richard and also because it gave us a way to reflect some more on, on what had happened to to maggie when she lost her she was oh, her, her cousin, cousin. Yeah, her cousin. So, I mean, it was very harsh. I mean, it was very rude for Richard to bring that up since, you know, it was something that hurt Maggie a lot. But I think it was a, a nice way to revisit that storyline. And and can I just say that I loved that, that that little brief scene between Amelia and Richard in which Amelia is sitting, because it reminded me of when they both were at the a meetings. So I, I really liked that moment. What do you think about the storyline? Are you enjoying it as much as I am? Not really. Like I did, like the stuff you mentioned there, I, I did enjoy. Um, but compared to the previous episodes, um, not that I loved those either. So I, I enjoyed the mid-season finale, not the mid-season premiere. I did not enjoy this episode at all. I thought it was like a real dumpster fire. Um, <laughs> just because of the way they handled certain things. Like I saw someone tweet that like, they basically threw away the characterization and character development of basically like every character in this episode for a one episode storyline or you know and that felt accurate to me like the, I felt like a lot of the characters were behaving in ways that didn't make any sense it, it felt like this episode was written by somebody who'd never seen Grey's Anatomy in their life like it just that really bothered me um, do you think this actually because I, I, I get what you're saying and I'm going to talk about it some more referring to another character spoiler alert it's Link but do you think that happened to all characters in this episode not all but I felt like enough of them like I'm not going to repeat 
what you just said. So like there were things I did enjoy about that storyline, but right off the bat, the M&M takes place in that, that tinier um, presentation room. And my first comment to Amy was, why is it taking place there and not in the lecture hall where they usually do the M&Ms? So that okay. was weird from a set perspective. Answer, I get, I, you're right. And it also makes the show look, you know, <laughs> low budget. But at the same time, I think it was because of COVID. So, you know, they still had COVID restrictions. So they couldn't have like a large room with lots of people. Yeah, but I disagree. In a larger room, you could have the characters more spread out and have more of them. Yeah, but I also think it was a budget thing, actually. You know, to have that room, which oh, oh, clearly it's not a set. The room is not a set. The, the room, if I'm talking about the season three room. Yeah, but like, I don't know if it is there isn't a set because that shows up as a regular location for most of the early seasons when the budget would have been much smaller. But they had, no, the, the budget was bigger uh, for the, the locations uh, because the contracts of the actors were less. Than oh, okay. Well, anyway, and, just to continue and, 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 no, it, it, it it's not a set, you know, that the location is not a set. So you have to book the room. So this is why, I mean, I, I, I get why you're annoyed. I was annoyed as well, but then I am, oh, okay, I kind of get it. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like they should have just explained why they were doing it there. Like if they just said something about COVID protocols or, I don't know, like they should have explained why it was something using this room and not the room we've seen for multiple seasons. Um, so that bothered me. And then the other thing that bothered me was, who in their right mind thought Levi was well enough to attend that M&M? He should have been like the end of the last episode. He should have been admitted to the psych ward. He's obviously not okay. And yeah. they like Bailey, who herself has OCD from a similar situation in which, you know, patients were dying and they couldn't figure out why. And she was the common factor, you know, for her to be so callous and so cruel and not, you know, check in with Levi at all or acknowledge at all that neither her nor Richard acknowledged that, Levi was not okay. He was not psychologically well enough to stand for an M&M. Also, it appears that they did this like the next day or like within a couple of days. They should have waited a few weeks. Like they shouldn't have, you know, put him in that situation. Like it pushed him over the edge and everybody was acting like he should just tough it out. And that made no sense to me medically. And it made no sense in terms of those characters because to me, it just didn't fit with who Bailey and Richard are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that didn't bother me because I think in medicine, you, you cannot take the time to just, you know, fill everything out, but everything out. I, of course, you, you, you have to get the help that you need, but at the same time, you have to be able to talk about what went wrong to prevent something like this to happen again. You just cannot wait weeks, in my opinion. But I get yeah, what you but mean. Do you think, honestly, do you think Levi and Helm should have been in that room? Like, do you honestly think they were well enough the next day to stand for an M&M? I think some, no, no. I think that Levi should have been, I mean, Elm as well, but especially Levi, because he was the late surgeon, he was the one who made the call. Yeah. I think he should have been, you know, he should have been in the room, maybe not talking about what had happened, but, you know, being in the auditorium, listening to to what went wrong, because, you know, there were people who knew what, what, what went wrong. It was... I think it was cruel for, for them to have Levi speak in front of everyone about his mistake. That was yeah. not necessary. I mean, he could have he could have talked about it, but maybe Bailey could have been on that stage with him. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they could have been more... Like more it felt like they were punishing him. And it's like, this guy's obviously having a psychiatric like yeah. episode and, event. And... Yeah. 
And Levi is also regressing as a character. I don't exactly. know if you know, but he's he put his glasses back on. He looked like he looked terrible. He's back living in his mother's basement. It's like, but but, but not but not only that. The fact that he put his glasses back on is yeah. just something really really big because as we know. He, he got rid of the glasses when he started having confidence in himself. In that moment, he said, okay, no glasses, no nickname. And now he's back to square one. He's back to wearing yeah. glasses, which is a metaphor for what's happening inside of him. He's, he's regressing. And I'm really sorry about what's happening to him. And I'm really sorry also about the fact that Nico, um, he's not like the best boyfriend. Yeah, like I feel bad for Levi. He's got a crappy boyfriend. His mentors have abandoned him. Yeah, you cannot abandon something just because he tells you, you know, to get away. Of course, he's going to tell you that. He's he's devastated and Nico should be there anyway. Or maybe, I don't know, we'll see next episode. Maybe he's just giving a little bit of time because he knows or space that. Space or something, yeah. Yeah, because he knows that right now he can do anything. And maybe he will try to reach out to him like in... 24 hours or 12 hours. I don't know about that. But for sure, it seems like Levi is in his little island. And I'm really, really sorry about what's happening to him. But I also it also makes for a fascinating storyline. Yeah, I, I, I agree it makes for a fascinating storyline. I just wish that that storyline did not include, you know, like a bunch of other characters acting in ways that make no sense for who they are. Um, yeah. And for the Weber method, like as we've talked about, you know, like it has, it's similar to the Minic method, but with some, you know, with some obvious flaws. And I think they're right to, you know, permanently stop it because while I get what Richard was trying to do with, you know, trying to, you know, give the residents something they could sink their teeth into and help deal with the shortages, you know, and then the backlog, as Meredith says to Maggie when they're in the scrub room, she thought it was a good idea for stuff like lap coles and, you know, procedures where, you know, um, you know, if a mistake was made, it was easier to fix, or you could patient attending immediately and, you and you know, solve the issue, you know, not for more complex procedures, and that she felt bad that she wasn't there when this happened, and, yeah. you know, and had, had not weighed in, and Maggie felt that too, which, to that point, is one of the reasons I don't like the Minnesota storyline, is because Meredith has a fed, you know, as she says at the end of the episode, you know, she's she feels like she's you know abandoned um her people here who need her and i feel like that too and i think if if you could see the progress in the parkinson's trial in minnesota if i was invested in nick if i was invested in any of the characters out there i i could maybe kind of be persuaded to be okay with it but because i'm not invested because i haven't done the legwork in my opinion to me it feels like meredith is abandoning her people and admits that for a lackluster storyline in a cold ass place. And <laughs> like, I don't think they've done the legwork to sell me on that. And based on the kind of stuff I'm seeing online, I feel like a lot of fans are, are, are feeling that, that too. And it seems very, like they had a great setup coming up the mid season finale. And then when we've come back, it just feels very disjointed. And they're just kind of writing the characters, whatever way they want to write them for a particular storyline. And I'm feeling very frustrated by that. At the same time, I do agree with you about, I did like Weber's arc from, you know, feeling very frustrated and angry and arrogant about it to humility and that nice conversation he had with Bailey at the end. Um, and the fact that, you know, Catherine was there to support him. Which was so out of character from her, right? Well, not that wasn't the thing that bothered me. Though. The thing that bothered me 
was at the end when she says to, um, when Catherine says to Bailey about, you know, how it was her decision and her call about the Weber method, I'm thinking they flip flop around on whose call is what call between Bailey as the chief, Richard as the chief of chiefs, and Catherine as the, well, no, she's not even the head of the foundation because Jackson is. That, yeah. that makes even less sense the more I say it. I guess my point is they flip flop around on who makes what call in later seasons and that really frustrates me so i feel like for me the inconsistencies overshadowed the meaningful storyline of what levi and richard um were going through yeah 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 that's how i'm feeling anyway um yeah no i I, want to say that yeah i I agree with our criticism i'm just I try to be positive because you know you know that I haven't loved the, the last few episodes. So mm-hmm. the fact that we had finally a nice balance between all the storylines that that alone makes me happy right now. Because mm-hmm. as you said, the show has felt so disjointed in the past in these past few weeks that to, to finally have something that feels a little bit more cohesive just makes me happy. And the fact that Meredith realizes that she needs to be in Seattle for a while, I think that is improvement as well. But for now, I think another storyline, which which was not a big one this episode, but it ends, the episode ends with that storyline. And I think it's going to be big in the next few weeks is, of course, the Owen and Teddy storyline that I'm actually right now on. I'm excited to see what happens next. But at the same time, I found Teddy to be so annoying in this episode. Okay, so Owen just survived a, a, a car crash. He could have died. And he, you should be preoccupied for him. You don't know if he's ever going to walk again. And all. He, he, instead, she's just all, what happened to that car? What happened to that car? What happened to that car? Which, I don't know, it just felt a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, on a, in a way, I get why she would be so obsessed about it. I would be obsessed about it. I mean, I would be, but at the same time, it was like, oh my God, Teddy, chill out. Oh, you know this man. You have known, as you say, him for for, for the past 20 years. You know he doesn't have another wife in another country. He just needs some time before he tells you the truth about what's going on. So, I don't know, I I thought she was too pushy. Yeah, I think the thing that bothered me too was I was saying this to Amy that, you know, yes, as the audience, we have extra context, but how is Teddy not cluing in? Like, she doesn't even seem to understand like what realm of possibility, what he's hiding from her could be. And I'm thinking, well, you've been working with dying soldiers. Um, I mean, how is, and you know, whatever he told Hayes has made him quit and move to another country. So like with those, knowing that in mind, I feel like Teddy should have had um, at least an inkling of what was going on and she didn't she didn't seem to especially since Teddy Owen Christina and I think also Mark were involved in that storyline many seasons ago with this uh, doctor assisted uh, dying so mm-hmm. and so she knows what Owen's reason it used to be I just felt like they painted Teddy like she was completely in the dark and had no concept of what it could possibly be but I felt like with the context we had like even without the extra context what Teddy the information Teddy did have she should be smart enough to put the piece together at least to get an idea and yeah yeah, so I I agree with you I felt like she was a bit pushy and I felt like she I don't know she kept hammering in on this one thing as if her and Owen haven't totally lied to each other about everything before that was the other thing like 
She yeah. lied to him about Allison. He lied to her about Christina, about Beth, about Amelia. Like <laughs> it's lie, lie, lie all over the place. And now she's mad at him for lying. And I'm like, but like, you should look at his words and be like, well, there's obviously something going on here. He doesn't want to get me in trouble. Like I thought that was kind of obvious. Yeah, I thought I thought Megan told her all the things that needed to be told, you know, just yeah. trust him. He, he was ready to die to save his heart for Farouk. So just trust the process, Teddy. But again, in a way, get it. Because if you, if you were Teddy, what would you do? Wouldn't you be like, what's happening? Tell me what's happening. I don't care if you're about to die. Just tell me what's happening. Because I know myself and I will be a little bit like that all over Owen. But, you know, as a viewer, it gets a little bit, annoying to, to watch yeah this. i think and also what what's annoying is the fact that a character with such promising storylines ahead of him like coma case dr coma case is exiting the show because of this storyline I, I, mean, I, I mean what and can i say this before i let you speak about his exit i thought that you know, last week, so basically last week, Deadline made, after the episode, Deadline made an article saying that Richard Holder was, was going to leave the show, was poised to leave the show, but and that it would, ha- it would have happened in this episode. And I was like, oh, nobody's talking about it because they're going to make a big, big exit thing. Instead, what they did was nothing. I mean, <laughs> Ace had two scenes, one with Meredith and one with Teddy Altman. And his last scene was with Teddy Altman. His last line was goodbye, Dr. Altman. And I'm so enraged mm-hmm. for this because this character had so much potential. Okay, as you know, since Nick is back, was, is back in the picture, I, I didn't want for, for Ace and Meredith to be endgame, not anymore, because I thought that train had, got, had passed and gone. Because of COVID, COVID sadly, the timing wasn't there. So it was not that, but it was like he deserved more. He mm-hmm. deserved he deserved a bigger exit. For you know, for example, one thing that I wonder was he never discovered that it was sent from Christina as a gift. Yeah, they set that up at the end of season sixteen. We thought we were going to hear about season seventeen, and like, yeah, do you remember this? Those scenes in which Joe kept teasing him about it. Yeah, and then they totally dropped that, and like. So he's going all the way back to Ireland. And he still doesn't know. Like he entered and exited the series without ever knowing. Like it's just so stupid. They literally threw away three seasons of like character development story overnight. Like, yeah, yeah. And of course, uh, since if you, I don't know if you read this interview, he's like, I was ready to let him to let him go. I was ready, but to me, that interview screamed as he was let go. He was. I think that the writers approached him and told him that there was no room for him anymore, that this storyline was, was finished. And he just was like, hmm, that's okay. And I mean, they weren't doing anything with him. So I feel like if when they did approach him, he was probably like, well, you're not doing anything with me anyway. Yeah, yeah. And also he's married to, I mean, this is gossip, but he's married to a very famous Italian actress, which I know, I, I mean, not personally, but as an actress, because as you know, I'm Italian. So she's very popular. His wife is very popular in Italy. So maybe they're ready to go back to Italy. So I don't think it was such a big toll on him. But anyway, what, what I felt reading that interview was like he was let go because that the, the storyline was not going the way in which they had managed before, which again, I completely get it. I was, as you know, 
Uh, I was completely on board with Mary and Ace. I loved it. I loved the, the two of them together. I still remember that Snow scene at the end of episode 15. Of yes, and can 15. I just say, the fact yeah. that they did a snow scene in this episode, which is Hayes' exit episode, neither of them are even wearing snow gear <laughs> and that stupid writing. We're going to talk about this later, but the amount of rage. I, I wanted uh, to throw something at my television. Jasmine, can I so tell disrespectful. you? So no, disrespectful. So disrespectful. Jasmine, I just want to say this to you. You may, I mean, you have to believe me when I say that when I saw that ending scene between Meredith and Nick, <sighs> I was like, oh my God. The only thing I, kept, I could keep thinking about, I loved it, of course. But what I thought about was, okay, Jasmine is going to hate it and she's going to find it so disrespectful. The yeah. Fact that- is happening in this episode after the last words Meredith ever said to Ace are you too so I was like oh my god I want to hear from Jasmine because she's going to be so yeah. so lit. so yeah and no, I get it but yeah, again okay. I finish was, your thought like finish your thing we'll go yeah, I'll get into that later no, no, okay. I was just saying that you know I was over with Meredith and Ace and then and then COVID happened and so they devoted an entire season to Meredith being in a coma because you know they can do anything else so mm-hmm. I think that storyline just lost momentum and for them you know to not be in be dating for, for an entire year after she recovered from COVID. It just didn't feel right for me. So so I get why they scrapped that storyline. I mean, it makes me sad because of COVID, of course, but I get it. What I don't get is why this exit had to be done so, so badly. I think his character deserved more. I mean, mm-hmm. you cannot have the last, a last scene on that show with a character that you just met this season, like Teddy Oldman. I mean, not just met, but you know what, interacted more. So it's like... Yeah, and he sorry. didn't say goodbye to Joe either. Like, he worked yeah. on Luna. They worked together. Joe was always teasing him about, you know, Christina, you know, sending him. Joe and, and Meredith, like, hung out. And now they don't, like hang out anymore and like oh, we haven't like since years I, I i this is something that is making me so angry right now the fact that america and joe do not interact er, er, anymore i think it's outrageous after all they've been through you know but i know and also the other thing that bothered me was when that scene where nick is talking to meredith and then you see amelia and maggie behind her amy and i were talking about how ridiculous this is that like the last conversation we saw meredith have with her sisters about her dating life was about how like Christina had sent her such a nice packet and how she should unwrap it and they were teasing her. So that was the last convo we had. And like season 16, I th- the next conversation we see is Maggie and Amelia being like, who is this Nick guy? Because they haven't met him. They don't know what he's doing here. You know, they're, they're getting a vibe. And so we jumped, like, it just saying felt so incongruent. We jumped from them being like, hey, what a nice package Christina sent you to him being written off without ever talking to any of those characters ever finding out ever talking to joe and now they're we're jumping to oh hey who's this nick guy like it just felt so disjointed to me yeah but you have to take into account the fact that more than a year and a half has passed since yeah but it doesn't feel like that because they like they haven't done the work with the dialogue for me to establish yeah. where the characters are at. I get what you mean, but I'm not very bothered by that. Again, I just, I, I mean, I get it that, I mean, let's be honest. If if I didn't like Nick, I would be devastated right now. I will be like, oh my God, I'm going to leave Grey's Anatomy. But the fact that I love Nick makes me a little bit more, you know, forgiving towards yeah. them. No, I, I get that. I get that. You know what I mean? Because it, for example, if it was, if he 
if Richard Ford was leaving because of the a character like Deluca, I would be so pissed off. I would be like, no, no, this cannot be happening. So I think that's what has, what's happening here. And speaking of Amelia, we didn't see her a lot this episode, but she interacted with Joe and Joe had just woken up that morning in bed next to Lee. <laughs> yeah. Storyline. I, I will say one thing about that storyline. I thought they handled um, endometriosis and how women are, um, you know, often you know, their cons- our concerns are written off. I thought that was handled well because my first thought when they were examining her and they figured that out was, okay, but this woman, you know, is supposed to be, you know, in her like twenties or thirties kind of a thing. And I'm thinking this is the first time anyone like a doctor has brought this up to her. I mean, she should have been diagnosed with that in her teens or early 20s. And so that, that that was my first thought. But, you know, I do endometriosis and things that are associated with it are extremely common among women, but we don't talk about it. And like, I know two or three different women who had issues with that from the time they were in like in high school. Like it's not, it's something that, that can happen when you're quite young. There, there isn't as much that we should be able to do to treat it as we sh- should be able to because the money and the research isn't put into it because it's not something that men deal with and it's super sexist. So I was happy that they shone a light on that because it is a real issue. And I think it's when we're just kind of told to grin and bear it about stuff that we shouldn't, we should get the help we need. So I will say I, I did really appreciate that about this storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, you know, the fact that how this isn't fair. I loved that line between um, the exchange between Amelia and Karina and Joe, in which Amelia says, okay, so women get menstruation, endometriosis, and all this stuff. And what, and what do men get? And Karina is like, research. I thought that was very sad and funny at the same time. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was one on, in comparison, we're going to talk about this later, but in comparison to the way they handled BMI, and fat shaming with the link storyline. Like I thought this was this was something they handled well versus something they did not handle well. I thought the, the like the way Joe delivered her lines, I thought like the London didn't deliver her lines as Joe was very funny. Um, and I thought that like kudos to Amelia for being the bigger person here and just recognizing, you know, like what she thought was going on and just being like, hey, I get it, but if we can't work together. Um, like you need to tell me because we need to put our patient first here. And, you know, that, that that's the kind of doctor you want. You know, if someone's going to be operating on you and treating you, you want the kind of doctor who says, I get it, but we need to put our patient first. If we can't work together. I need you to tell me that. Um, yeah. So yeah, like good for me on being. I say something in regard to that. I will be here appreciating this side of Amelia. If, but I think that this season... <laughs> They completely ruined Amelia for me. Even mm. though when she says the right thing, even though when she says the mature thing, I can't help but thinking, okay, so you're right on this part, but you're making, you're doing everything else wrong. So mm. I just, I just lost. I'm sorry to say this, but I just lost all respect to Amelia because I, I, she can, she's not a mature person. She doesn't know how to talk properly and communicate what she feels like. So I don't know why she expects people to, to do so. So anyway, I'm I'm just really mad at Amelia right now. I'm sorry. I just needed to get it off my chest. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I just, I will say that I, I did like the way they handled the storyline and this patient and the fact that I think female-centered care, you know, not that male physicians can't do a good job. I'm not saying that. It's just that for certain things, it's a lot easier and it's more helpful, I think, as a patient 
to have women who understand what you're going through rather than somebody that thinks they know, but like you could not physically experience that. So I, I did, I did want to say that I, I really enjoyed that part of the storyline. I thought it was done well and uh, where everything was handled. And Amy and I were joking about how, like in real life, how awkward would it be to go to your boss for like sex advice, basically when, when Joe <laughs> asked Karina for advice, she's like, how inappropriate would that be if you and I did that? Yeah. Right. So we were, we were joking yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah. And I think Joe also made a good decision at the end of the episode when she decided to to stop having sex with Link. I mean, I thought for a moment, I thought, I mean, also, I think she thought she was about to confess to Link that she is in love with him mm-hmm. right now. But then I think she changed her mind and she realized that Link wasn't ready to, to hear it and she wasn't ready to say it. So she just, she just said, okay, let's not have sex anymore. And, and Link had such a cool reaction. It was like, okay. And at the same time, speaking of Link, am I the only one who thinks that Link is completely out of character right now? Yes. So that was, am- so um, um, Amy had seen like promos or like a clip or something online and I hadn't. And she said, yeah. So like Link, they've made Link even more of a jerk. And I was thinking it was something to do with the Amelia and Kai storyline or something with Joe, but then no, we get in the we watched the episode and she said the clip I saw was the one where they're in the ER when he says that horrible fat shaming comment to the patient. She goes, They're pulling an Owen here because the link we saw, who was like a childhood cancer survivor and like the nicest guy ever, who first shows up, would never have said something like that. I don't know why they're doing this to his character. Because they want to be woke. Sometimes there is nothing wrong with that, but they should be more subtle with it. They just, just because you want to talk and tackle a particular topic on the show, it doesn't mean that it has to happen, uh, ruining uh, characters, characterization, you know? Exactly. And like Amy and I were talking about this and saying, you know, they could have brought that up in a different way or they could like Perez from his own personal experience could have brought that up in the, in the OR or could have, you know, pulled Link aside. They didn't have to ruin Link's character to do that. And Amy and I both said, you know, like Link looking like he does, the guy looks like a freaking supermodel, to turn around and have the audacity to say in front of Perez to this woman that like, you're just basically, you're just fat, you need to lose weight. When the whole time Perez was like, hey, we need to order an MRI here. Like I, you know, like I've noticed this. And it wasn't until she walked away that he saw the drop foot. And it's like, I mean, we never had any, any indication before this of Link being like, a fat shamer or like mean to other people based on their weight so yeah. I like I don't know why they you know they, they could have addressed that the way that they eventually did it in in the OR you know without doing that and the fact that Link for some reason expected Bailey to back him up right right like, that's crazy like and the, fact that, and, and the fact that Link didn't know about the BMI just felt a little bit yeah stupid. Amy said that she was like hang on he doesn't like that he doesn't know that as a surgeon, yeah. like, come on. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. It, that moment was written just for Bailey to tell viewers, which is so, so bad writing. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, sometimes, I know. It's like the writers are totally out to lunch. It's like... Yeah, sometimes these writers are just so, so lazy sometimes. They're so lazy. And, yeah. and, and other times, mm-hmm. other times, they're great. And you know what I'm talking about. 
Well, they're right. great for you. I thought their writing was lazy the whole episode, including Meredith and Nick, but you give your take on it. No, I, I just, I love the two of them. I think they had just have amazing, amazing chemistry. And I love the fact that Meredith contacted him when she needed the help. The, you know, she, she needed more surgeons at the hospital. I loved how Nick was brought in and how he, uh, he was, uh, you know, roaming the halls of... Uh, I love the fact that Nick got to meet Maggie and Amelia. I love that scene. I thought it was very funny. And finally, people can stop saying that Nick is just a, a part of the imagination of Meredith. Because I, as, as we have been discussing, there are people out there thinking that Nick does not exist, that it's just uh, a fantasy of Meredith. That's didn't exist. Oh, come on. The, do you really think that in that last scene in the snow, they, they weren't amazing? They, they were amazing. The writing was so tacky. She was like, I don't want to, I don't want to be without you or whatever. And I'm like, you've been dating this guy for a few weeks. But she's, but she's the, 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 what makes the relationship so beautiful is that like with Derek, Meredith is out there putting his, her heart in the open. She's not afraid to speak up and is to speak up. And we, and she's not afraid to be cheesy. And he's not afraid to be cheesy as well. Because now they're both mature people. And Murray has not I been... I to be cheesy and dumb with lazy writing instead of better writing with better dialogue. No. I'm... Okay. That, that's just because you hate Nick. Come on. No, it's if... not. Like, the writing with, like, Amy and I both said this. She's like, that... They sound like teenagers. Like, that writing yeah, but that's, was so but that's unrealistic. The point. That's the point in a way. When do you remember that the episode in which Scott Speedman was was uh, brought in the Grey's Anatomy and talking about season 14? Yeah. Uh, there is that last scene that ends that episode in which Meredith says to Alex, Oh, I, I have never felt about this, about uh, I've never felt like this kind of feelings towards anyone else rather other than Derek. But and she says that he has she felt things she hasn't felt since Derek. Yeah, exactly. And and then he says to her, well, why can't you be with him? And it, she's like, well, he lives in Minnesota and he's my patient, so I just can't. And Alex, Alex asks her, well, is it so bad to know that he's still out there? And she's like, no, that's good. And then she, they are at the Joe's bar when that scene happens. She just looks at the door of the Joe's bar, which is being opened. And mm -hmm. in that moment, we her face changes and we have a flashback of Meredith season two looking at that door, which I think is the beauty of this relationship. The fact that Scott Speedman, I mean, Nick Marsh, brings that Meredith back. The other, the other love stories- But the my question is, if that's the case, why is the writing not better? Like, why are they not giving them more beautiful dialogue? Because, like, the why is the dialogue so problem, because the problem is not Meredith and Nick. The problem is that the, the dialogue is not at, the, at its best right now for all the characters. Yeah, you that's said true. I think that's you said, part of it for me. You, you said at the beginning, you said that, you know, all these characters, not all, but most of these most characters of feel out of characters. So this is not a fault of Meredith and Nick. I, I think it's because- No, the, I'm, I think it's just my complaint in general. Yeah, let's, let's be honest. The writing has gone a little bit a little sometimes a lot downhill so i think that's what's happening but you know if you think about what what nick means for meredith it's just this is this is meredith season two this is meredith feeling young and, and, and energized again and she hasn't felt this way with anyone apart from derek of course 
with Ace, it would have been a beautiful relationship. There would have been two people understanding each other, understanding their pain, understanding their loss. It would have been beautiful. But with Nick, it's something else. With Nick, it's you don't have to be talking about Derek all the time. You don't have to be talking about bad spouses all the time. Not because you don't want to, but because you feel that passion that there was inside of you when you were young. And I think that is so beautiful. The fact that Meredith is falling in love again. And what I'm hating right now, it's when I go on Twitter and I see mad, mad murder stands saying, oh, Meredith doesn't need to be another man. Meredith need, needs to be single. First of all, I don't think that there are these people are so much. I think they are on their Twitter bubble. And I also think that they are very vocal. And that's the point with haters. Sometimes they're not that much, but they're just bullies who get to be, who, who are very loud. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, that, I do. I mean, some, something that I found very frustrating because I, I get that people, not not everyone are, are happy with the storyline. I get it. But I hate when I see this Meredith with, with this Meredith stand saying, oh, uh, why can't we understand that we do not want this, that not, not everyone, not, not, they say that nobody wants this. Well, first of all, who are you to talk for me? That being said, though, I feel like the majority of fans either, like, I see a lot of Nick hate and like I'm, I'm falling on board with the Nick hate because I hate this storyline. I feel like it's a combination of people wanting Mary to be single, Derek being her only love, people who like Nathan, people who like Taze, people who just don't like Nick because of how poorly he's been written and the way they're styling him and the whole thing. So I feel like it's not, you're right. It's not that nobody wants this. I just feel like a, a good chunk of fans, I don't know how many, to me it feels like the majority, but it, that may not be true. I just know a large portion of fans, I feel like, are not digging the merit of the next storyline for whatever reason. So while I understand you're right, like it's not that not that nobody wants this. I feel like a lot of people do not want it. Yeah, of course, a lot of people do not want it. But trust me when I say that I also read, if you go on Twitter and you search the hashtag for Grey's Anatomy, there are also lots of people who like this. So what I'm trying to say is that sometimes, maybe it's not 50-50, okay, I, I give you that. But what I'm trying to say is that I just, I, I think that I just don't like people when they're bullies. And right now, yeah, Mer I agree with Mer that. murder stands and ace fans, they're just being bullies. And I just don't. I don't like them in real life and I don't like them online. That's that's what I'm saying. No bullying. Also, you know, to... to, to I, I, I read terrible things towards Ellen Pompeo, towards Scott Speedman. I mean, that's just crazy people this is a tv show why do you have to insult the real life actors that is just crazy to me and i'll never get it anyway going back to Meredith and nick what i what i love and this uh, is this hisness between the two of them and i really hope this is finally our hand game because deals feels right at least for me i know it's not the same for you but yeah. for me it feels right i can respect that um do you want to share what your favorite quote or scene from the episode was? Well, uh, my favorite scene, doo -doo 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 -doo, I think it was, yeah, I think it was Nick meeting the sisters and mm -hmm. all that that moment. Yeah, I really liked that. Also because th there, it had been so much time since the three sisters were together. I love their dynamic. So to see all of them together, I thought that was pretty funny. So yeah, what about yours? I wouldn't say I had a favorite. If I had to pick one, I'd probably say the scene where 
Richard is sitting in the presentation hall and Amelia is sitting there and they're having a meeting, like an AA, a mini AA meeting and Maggie and Meredith come in and they talk. Um, I liked that scene. I thought it was uh, well done. I, I did like Richard's line when he's like, you, you three are the closest thing I have. He goes, well, you know, and I kind of felt like that was already, it could have been daughter, it could have been family. And I think one of the things that makes Adele's death so heartbreaking and the Adele, Richard, Ella storyline so heartbreaking is that like Adele wanted children. Richard was always too busy. Oh, we'll do this later. No, like, you know, like they, it never happened for them. Yeah. And in the wake of Adele's death and Alice's death, he gets to have Maggie and Meredith and Amelia kind of has daughters and um, and he's really there for them. And I, I really love their dynamic and I think that's really beautiful. So I always enjoy scenes with them and how Amelia has kind of, as because they're both part of AA, has kind of joined in the last few seasons, kind of joined that collective of, of kind of being his family, his daughter. Um, and since, you know, you know, Maggie's father's obviously still alive. Meredith and Amelia's fathers aren't. And Thatcher was never there for Meredith to begin with. So for them to have that father figure in their life who's there for them, um, I think is obviously very important to them. And I did I did really enjoy that scene. And uh, in an episode I otherwise did not enjoy, I, I liked that scene a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think it was very beautiful, you're right. Okay, I think that's our show. So if you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review, and of course, tell your friends. Our theme song is inspired by Kevin McLeod. You can find us on Twitter at DanceItOutPod and on Instagram at DanceItOutGraysAnatomy. Until next time, I'm Giuseppe. And I'm Jasmine. And this is Dance It Out. A Grey's Anatomy podcast.